Spring is in full swing and summer is just around the corner. A great time for a beach getaway at the Oceanfront Boardwalk Plaza Hotel in Rehoboth Beach, Delaware. Enjoy the best of oceanfront accommodations and amazing dining right on the beach, both with great views of the ocean and boardwalk. Enjoy a soak in the heated indoor spa pool or book the adults-only concierge level and relax in the rooftop hot tubs. Book online at boardwalkplaza.com or call 800-33 beach thanks to the boardwalk plaza for being the bridge podcast network sponsor story jumpers welcome to another episode of your favorite storytelling podcast are you ready to hear a great story of course that's why you're a story jumper welcome traveler you are on the serpent quest to move from start to middle traveler solve the riddle What is poison to the heart? Find the answer. Make your start. Fleeing a neighborhood bully, Emmett and Nomi are pulled into an ancient quest, and now they must escape far more powerful enemies. Join them as they unlock secret riddles and follow the path of the Serpent Slayer. Enjoy this reading of The Serpent Slayer and the Scroll of Riddles by Champ Thornton. The Serpent Slayer and the Scroll of Riddles From the Camber Chronicles By Champ Thornton and Andrew David Nicelli Chapter 1. The Unexpected Outcome The playing card taped to Emmett's bike frame so that it would sound like a motorcycle was working perfectly. But Emmett wasn't impressed by its roar. Not today. Right now, he just hoped they could get away. Alongside his sister Nomi, Emmett pedaled furiously, standing up, leaning forward. Sweat ran down his olive-toned skin, and his mop of thick black hair stood straight up in the wind. His backpack, packed for summer adventures, shifted from side to side as he strained to go as fast as possible. Out of the corner of his eye, Emmett could see Nomi beside him, darker-skinned, her curly hair bobbed against her backpack. She was determined, afraid, and keeping up. Not bad. Though they were both twelve, Nomi was five inches taller and could outrun her brother any day. But on bikes, Emmett was usually the fastest. Today was an exception. They were neck and neck, zooming past trees and houses. Soon they would take the narrow dirt path deep through the woods and away from Tobias. Tobias was eleven, but instead of looking like he was in the fifth grade, he looked like he could have been in eighth for the third time. He was big. And he was new. Tobias lived just down the street from Emmett and Nomi. His family had moved from New York City four hours away to their little coastal town of Lewis last year. Tobias was also loud and annoying. All through last school year, he seemed to delight in making life difficult for Emmett and Nomi. And they didn't know why. Last Halloween, he snuck up behind Nomi, reached into her sack of candy, grabbed a huge handful, and ran away, laughing. He hadn't even eaten the candy. Emmett saw him throw it away when he thought no one was looking. Another time, when it snowed, Tobias had thrown snowballs at their snowman. And when Emmett went outside to talk to him, he tackled him and shoved his face in the snow. Now, wherever they were outside playing, it seemed that Tobias had nothing better to do than tease them or taunt them or burp so loud even the neighbors could hear. Now Tobias was chasing them on his blue BMX bike, and he was getting closer every second. Emmett and Nomi's trail bikes hit the path with a bump, and their tires dropped off the sidewalk onto the well-worn dirt path. 
100 feet ahead, the trail disappeared into the woods, but they had no plans of stopping. They flew through the woods, up the gully, and out into the back of the next neighborhood. Now if they could only lose Tobias on a side street. Emmett, in the lead, pointed to a street up ahead. Turn right, quick, before... Emmett looked back. Tobias's bike exploded out of the woods. Too late. He had seen them. Now they had to make another turn. Fast. Emmett whipped around to face front. Ugh! He had led them onto a dead-end street. Between the houses, yelled Nomi, pointing ahead at two houses, a brick one and a bright yellow one, at the end of the street. Don't yell, said Emmett. He'll hear us. Nomi crinkled her eyebrows, says the guy on the motorcycle. The bikes hit the curb, zipped down the driveway, bounced across the grass and into the backyard behind one of the houses. They skidded to a dusty stop at the edge of the trees and peered back. Nomi's white metal water bottle had flown out of her backpack and was lying in plain sight on the grass beside the driveway of the yellow house. She must have forgotten to zip the pouch. Though Nomi was mature for her age, Emmett couldn't believe how disorganized she could be. He always said her room looked like a middle school art show that had been struck by a tornado. Finding her homework or even her hairbrush was quite the feat. Your new water bottle, sighed Emmett. Then he added, I'll go get it. No, wait, he'll see you, said Nomi. I just hope he doesn't see your water bottle, Emmett began, just as Tobias skidded to a squealing stop right in front of the water bottle. He grinned, picked it up, and held it up with his right hand. Hey, you dropped something, he shouted. You want this? You're going to have to come and get it. You're going to get it, whispered Emmett. Tobias repeated, come and get it. He dropped his bike to the ground and was now tossing the water bottle back and forth between his hands. Come and get it. Something inside Emmett snapped. He threw his bike to the ground. When the bike landed with a thud, Tobias took his eyes off the water bottle to see what Emmett was up to. And at that moment, he missed the water bottle. Instead of catching it, Tobias hit it with his left hand and sent it clanging across the driveway. That's it, Emmett shouted. Enough of Tobias and his huge, annoying self, thought Emmett. Enough of Tobias's bullying. He might have gotten away with stealing Nomi's Halloween candy, but he wasn't going to get away with stealing her new water bottle. He was furious at Tobias. So angry, he wasn't thinking. And what happened next would replay in Emmett's mind for quite some time. Emmett lunged toward the ground, grabbed the closest rock he could find, and threw it at Tobias as hard as he could. Too hard. The rock missed Tobias by a long shot. But it didn't miss the window. Chapter 2. Into the Woods Sometimes Nomi just didn't understand Emmett. They were both twelve, but no one asked if they were twins. They were adopted and couldn't have been more different. Emmett was precise and particular. He loved organization, almost as much as jokes, and had the tidiest room in their house. But sometimes he also had a temper. The window shattered with a crash so loud that Nomi thought the whole neighborhood heard. Then, it seemed almost in slow motion, Tobias was jumping away from his bike and reaching down to the ground. His eyes locked on Emmett. Emmett froze. In a flash, Nomi grabbed him by the arm and yanked him toward the woods. She wasn't about to just stand and wait for Tobias's revenge. Run! she shouted. Suddenly, everything was happening at double speed. There was no path, but it didn't matter. They were racing past tall trees and through clumps of knee-high bushes, leaping over tangled vines, thick as fences. They knew Tobias was right behind them, and they had to hide. Then she saw it. The bush she'd passed wasn't like the others. This shrub was massive. They jumped behind it. Nomi looked closer. It wasn't a bush at all, but hundreds of vines formed together like a canopy. And there, cloaked beneath countless weathered leaves, she saw what appeared to be a door handle. Nomi pulled at the latch. It didn't open. A combination lock with a round dial held the door shut. 
Nomi fiddled with the lock and a second later had it open. Quick, inside! Emma didn't move. What? He gasped. How did you... Nomi cut him off. She was in a hurry. Sometimes people leave the lock one number off the solution. You just spin the dial one click and you're in. Let's go. Emmett shook his head. It's trespassing. You sure? Nomi wasn't sure, but the right thing to do was to protect her brother. And not getting caught by Tobias or whoever owned the home back there wasn't a bad idea either. With a few quick tugs, she cleared away enough vines to open the door. Emmett joined a hand and a second later they had the door just wide enough to slip inside. They pulled the door almost closed and waited, catching their breath in the darkness. What is this place? asked Nomi. It smells like our basement. As their eyes adjusted to the darkness, the shed came into focus. A table ran along the side of the shed with a shelf on the wall above it. Some yard tools stood stacked against the opposite wall. A few cans of bright yellow paint sat on the ground, but mostly there were boxes. A stack in the corner, a dozen or so crammed under the table, and a few on top. And, all alone, on the shelf above the table, sat a wooden case. I guess the shed belongs to the guy who owns the yellow house, said Emmett, pointing at the paint cans. We should get out of here. But Nomi couldn't take her eyes off the wooden case. It was the size of a small suitcase and topped with a closed lid and had three drawers on one side. She recognized it. Ooh, that looks like a sketchbox for art stuff. I wonder if there's anything in it. Leave it alone, said Emmett, peeking out of the crack in the door. She reached up and took the case and placed it on the table. I'm not going to take anything. And with that, she flipped up the metal latch and opened the top. Empty, she said. But the drawers might... She pulled the knob of the top drawer. Nothing. Then she opened the bottom drawer and moved about an inch, but no further. It stuck. I think something's caught. Then she jammed her fingers into the opening and tried to pry it open just a bit and pulled. The drawer slid free. Inside lay a small package. Emmett turned back from the door. I don't see Tobias anywhere. He's the worst. If I were as big as he is, I'd clobber that guy. Nomi reached down, picked up the package, and smoothed her finger over its thick, rough paper wrapping. I wonder what this is. She turned it over. There was writing on the front. Nomi strained to read the words. What in the world? She excitedly turned to Emmett. It has our address on it. Cut it out, Nomi, said Emmett. I'm not kidding. Look. Emmett examined the package. Okay, fine. I see. It's weird, but it's not ours. Put it back where you... The writing is all smudged, Nomi interrupted, and I can't find a return address. She turned it sideways for a better look, but it is addressed to us. And with that, Nomi carefully slid her finger under the loose tape at one end of the package and opened the flaps. So it would be ours anyway, right? The package was filled with crumpled pieces of paper. Nomi removed a few wads of paper and stopped. Inside the box, in the middle of the paper, was something small and dark just a bit bigger than a golf ball. She slid the object into her hand. Whoa, what is this? Don't drop it, said Emmett. Nomi carefully set the object on the table. Maybe we should open the door and get some light in here. So Emmett poked his head out and looked around. Not seeing any sign of Tobias, he pushed the door open as far as he could and stepped back inside. In the light from the door, they could see more clearly. The small object on the table was made of metal. It was covered with tiny knobs that served as feet on which it sat. Then, Nomi noticed that it wasn't exactly round. After two tries, she decided that it had twelve sides. Every side was flat and contained what looked like a tiny round window pane, but each window was a different size. Emmett nudged one of the legs, rolling it onto another of its sides. What is it? Maybe like part of a game? Like dice? Is there any writing or numbers on the side? asked Nomi. She reached to pick it up and examined one of its panes more closely. Immediately, she pulled back her hand. 
It's soft. Those round windows aren't made of glass. I, I think it's wax. Oh, maybe it's a candle or something. Or, oh, I got it, a candle holder. I don't know, maybe, she said. But I'm sure I've seen it somewhere before. Somewhere. What? You've seen this before? No way. Come on, Nomi. Let's just leave it and get out of here. No, I'm sure I've seen this before. She snapped her fingers. I think it's on the sign of the bookstore in town. The scrolls and lit shop. Okay, good, said Emmett. Let's go. Nomi turned toward him with a huge smile on her face. Really? That's awesome. Mom did say we could go into town today. No, I meant we should go home, said Emmett. Oh, come on, Emmett. I want to know what this thing is. Emmett pointed at the little metal object. We can't take it. It's not ours, and we really shouldn't even be in here. But it is addressed to us. Don't you want to know what that means? Come on, we'll bring it right back. Okay, fine, whatever, but I'm not carrying it, said Emmett as he looked outside to see if all was clear. And remember, he added over his shoulder, this was your idea. After scanning the area, Nomi and Emmett left the shed and closed the door. No sign of Tobias or the owner of the yellow house. They headed back toward their bikes. Before Emmett had even started pedaling, Nomi was already on her bike and moving down the driveway. She stopped and looked back. Come on, Slowpoke, let's go. Hey, Story Jumpers! This is going to be a great story to dive into together, and I've got just the person to tell us more about Emmett and his sister, Nomi. Welcome, Champ Thornton! Andrew, it is great to be with you on Story Jumpers today. Thanks for having me. I am looking forward to our conversation. Well, when I saw the cover of this book, The Serpent Slayer and the Scroll of Riddles, I knew I wanted to talk to you because it's so beautiful. And I thought, if you're not supposed to judge a book by its cover, but if this story <laughs> is just as good as the cover, I can't wait to read it. And it well, is. Yeah, well, I did had nothing to do with the cover. They have another illust an illustrator who does that. So I like it as, as well. I think it's fantastic. Dana Thompson did an amazing job on the cover. Yeah, it's really beautiful. But the story itself is wonderful, too. I mean, it, it's got everything you want from an adventure story and it's got everything that you want from in fact even a time travel story but we'll mm -hmm. we'll get into that we'll get into that yeah so can you tell us just a little bit more about the young characters that we meet Emmett and Nomi yeah, so Emmett and Nomi are middle school age kids, and they live in a neighborhood, and there is a neighborhood bully named Tobias that they're trying to figure out how they navigate this and how they treat him in a loving way and keep some safety there as well. And uh, the story opens with them uh, in uh, flight away from Tobias. So they're all on bicycles. And then the story gets kind of crazy when he catches up. And then they take to foot and they have to get away. And then that leads them into an adventure they had never planned on. So mm -hmm. Emmett and Nomi, they're brother and sister, but they're very different. And we're going to learn more about those differences as the stories go on and even as the series goes on. Mm. But uh, right now, it's enough to say that uh, Nomi is very artistic. She loves to draw and she's very gifted that way, but she's also kind of disorganized. But she's also very emotionally smart. She's aware of uh, life going on around her. And then there is Emmett, and Emmett is, uh, he loves jokes, he loves to have fun, but he also likes things to be nice and orderly and everything in its place. And so he's very much uh, kind of a black and white, right and wrong kind of guy. And so when you take uh, Nomi's 
live and let live. Everything's fine. And everything's a little crazy kind of personality with her brothers. Like, no, everything's got to be in a box personality. Then you have some very interesting dynamics. Yeah, I imagine that they could rub each other the wrong way and really grate on each other's nerves at times. But sometimes you need uh, somebody from a different background or a different way of seeing things and handling things when you run up against problems. You know, you, you need that different perspective or that those different set of tools to handle problems together. Yeah, that's exactly right. And in fact, that's a little bit of like how this, these characters got constructed in the first place. So the Hebrew word uh, for Nomi uh, means beautiful. And so here's a person who's very much in touch with beauty and all that goes with that and the emotions of it all. And then uh, Emmet comes from the Hebrew word that means truth. And so he's a truther and everything is very much right or wrong. Mm-hmm. And then the other character in the story uh, we get to meet a little bit is Tobias. And that's the Hebrew word for good. And mm-hmm. so when you take goodness and beauty and truth, those three, when those go together, they do provide a rounded and uh, very um, complete perspective on life. Well, I hope he turns good. So far, that boy, Tobias, is a little bit of a pain. Talk yeah, about- his version oh. of good right now is broken. That's for yeah, sure. Yeah, broken. That's a good way to put it. <laughs> so the adventure begins for the kids when they find a toll finlet. What? Is that exactly, and does it really exist? Now, that is a great question. So, first of all, the word Tolfenlit is two words together in Icelandic, so from the country of Iceland, and it means 12 faces. And you can go to Google Translate, and you can find it, and the reason I say that is because that's how I found it. I don't speak Icelandic. (laughs) And uh, so, what we have here is... 12 faces, and the 12 faces are sides. Uh, there's an object, a metal object, that I'm calling the Tolfenlit, and it is made out of bronze or brass. It has 12 sides. It's got little pegs, little legs on each side, and it's made about the size of a, of a large golf ball or a small baseball. And there are objects like this that actually exist. So if someone wants to go see what this is, you can search for the phrase Roman dodecahedron, which is a Mm. 12-sided geometrical uh, object. And so the Roman dodecahedron is actually shrouded in mystery. No one knows what they were used for. And there are, they actually exist. I'm I'm guessing there's less than a hundred of them in the world and they're in museums and people have speculated all sorts of things of what they're used for. In fact, some of those speculations come out in the book. You know, is this a candle holder? Did you knit mittens with it? Is it a weapon? Is it a toy? What is it? A puzzle? And so no one really knows. And so I decided let's use this object of mystery to be a object of mystery in this story and that's exactly how it turned out. Neat. Very, very cool. Okay. Well, now I'm on the hunt for a Tolfin lit. See if I can find <laughs> one hanging around. I'm not going to break into any houses, you know, to locate mine, but I will uh, keep my eye out. Yeah, as no one should either. So this no, is no permission no. for breaking and entering. <laughs> now, those, those uh, Emmett and Nomi were running from Tobias when they slipped into, they went into the shed, right? Yes, it was a garden shed way in the back of the, <clears throat> of the woods behind someone's house. Yeah. And that's where they found the box with the Tolfin lit in it, and the adventure begins. Yeah. Well, they're off on an adventure. So, as I understand it, once we get rolling, your book includes time travel, which is like something a lot of children's books do. You know, maybe time or place travel. That's fine. But what is it that makes your story and your time travel different from some of the others. 
Well, we wanted this book to go in and explore different stories in the Bible. And so if we actually had a real-time travel book where people actually went back in time to the Bible stories, then it starts to get complicated because, you know, does... Do, you know, are we actually going back in time and do we change the events that happened and, you know, disrupting the space time continuum and yeah. you know, other such disasters as we know about from movies? And so <laughs> this is actually something less than time travel, although it's like it. So they're actually traveling back in time, but traveling back inside a book. And so they're getting sucked into a book, into the stories of the book. And so they actually can't change what happened, but they can interact with what happened. And so that is the version of time travel that's going on in this story. Mm. And it's really, Andrew, related to the whole purpose for the book, and that is we want to explore the Bible on a particular theme. And so when you think about what does the Bible say about, and then you fill in the blank, well, that's a particular topic or a theme. Mm. Well, you might land in a certain passage in the book of Genesis, and then maybe hopscotch over to Exodus, and then before you know it, you're in 2 Samuel. And then from 2 Samuel, you might end up in Isaiah, and then from Isaiah to the Gospel of Mark, and then from Mark to Acts, and then to Romans, and perhaps Revelation. And so you're moving all through the Bible. And when you talk about jumping from passage to passage about a certain topic— well, that kind of sounds like time travel through stories of the Bible. And so we are using this whole time travel or book travel idea to teach what does the Bible say on a particular topic. Well, that's cool. And really, as we move through the Bible, jumping from passage to passage or book to book to find out our answers for something, we're getting to time travel with the people who were inspired to write those words, you know, things that that God had revealed to the prophets or things that God had revealed to his people or ways that we learn to live based on what Jesus had taught. We move through all those different time periods to get a, a well-rounded revelation about how we should live and what God meant, what he was revealing about himself to us. I think it's great. That's another fun way to explore the Bible. Yeah, for sure. And that all started with my co-author. So this book, I wrote it, and it's also co-authored by a guy, a friend of mine named Andy Nacelli, Andrew David Nacelli. Uh, Andy teaches pastors how to become pastors. He teaches at a seminary. And he wrote a book for another publisher, Crossway. Actually, I work for Crossway. They're my real job. Uh, <laughs> and uh, Andy wrote this book, basically, what does the Bible say about serpents and, and dragons and uh, such in the Bible. So yeah. he is pursuing this topic. And so, you know, it's not just a study about animals. It's really a study about uh, our enemy, right? So Satan in the beginning comes as uh, a serpent. And then at the very end of the Bible, he's portrayed as uh, a dragon, a fierce enemy. And so all throughout the Bible, this theme, you might not ex expect it, but it crops, it crops up, it pops up all throughout the Bible. It and does. so he wrote a book all about that. And it's for, you know, maybe older teens or grownups or pastors to read. And so then he said, hey, I want to write a kid's book and do it that way. So uh, he took it to uh, New Growth Press and they said, um, yeah, can you make it uh, more for kids? And he says, um... Why don't you get Champ to do that? And so they reached out to me. And so Andy and I talked for months about what's this going to look like? Is it going to be a picture book? Is it going to be a board book? Is it going to be a short book of some sort for younger kids? And what we realized is, oh, what if it's an adventure story and kids right. are adventuring through the Bible on this topic and we'll make it a lot of fun in the process. And so that's the whole idea. And if you want to kind of like see a little bit behind the scenes, Andrew... 
what we see here is they are going into the story to learn about our enemy, the mm -hmm. snake, the dragon, Satan, and how he has opposed God's people and Jesus mm -hmm. uh, all throughout the scriptures. And then in the uh, the back home story, not in the book, but in their real life, uh, they have this bully that they're encountering. And mm -hmm. so they're facing this kind of opposition, not like Satan, but just like a, a bully in their mm -hmm. neighborhood. And what lessons are they going to learn as they journey through the Bible th about uh, their enemy that they can bring back with them? So when they encounter Tobias, how is their perspective of all that going to change? That's cool. That sounds like an adventure. A big one. And it sounds like they're going to get well-equipped, I hope, to deal with Tobias. So when they are transported back to biblical times, what are some of the events that they witness and some of the people that they see? Yeah, so first of all, they go back to the Garden of Eden, and that's no surprise in the first part of the book of Genesis, because it's there that we meet this serpent, who is the devil in animal form, and uh, he is crafty and cunning, and he tempts our first parents to sin, and so they are there in that context for the first part of the story. And uh, then we move over to the story of the Exodus when God's people are coming out of Egypt. And so they are there for part of those of, of that story when they cross the Red Sea. Mm -hmm. And then we, and if you may not expect it, but uh, the serpent theme is there as well. And you have to read and find out how, but it's in the Bible. And then we move over to the story of David and Goliath. We have another enemy of God's people and how God defeated him. And you might not have thought about it, but, you know, when it comes to the enemy in Egypt, the Exodus, uh, they run, they flee, they, they are um, moving quickly away. When it comes to Goliath, David moves toward Goliath. And then when we get to the Gospels, um, Jesus faces Satan, but he also says, um, you know, we are going to uh, overcome Satan, not by taking life, but by laying down life, his mm. own life. And mm. so uh, we see even a progression as we move through the stories from Genesis all the way to Revelation. Mm. That's really great. Well, that's a lot to pack into a storybook. Wow. I love it. I love it. What would you say, Champ, are some of the biblical concepts that, you know, you, you, you touched on them briefly there, but what about those biblical concepts is so important for story jumpers to walk away with. Like, why should it matter to a story jumper to take these biblical concepts from a story that they're enjoying? Yeah, so when we are facing opposition, when people don't like us, if people say mean things about us, or even when we kind of face, you know, evil inside ourselves, we, we face temptation and we want to do what's wrong, part of us does, then how are we going to fight that? So fighting the, the evil inside us, fighting uh, sometimes encountering the evil around us. And so we learn like Jesus is tempted in the wilderness by the devil. And so how do we learn to fight those temptations in our lives? And so we learn something from Jesus through his example in the Gospels. And we also learn something from uh, the way he tells us to, to handle our enemies. And that we, he says in Luke chapter 6, he says, love your enemies and do good to those who hate you. And mm -hmm. so we have to be careful about how we do that, but we know that the command is that we treat them uh, in a loving way. And so so uh, these are some lessons that we learn as we walk through uh, this story. And sometimes we learn that it's really hard. Mm. I'll bet. I'll bet. I can't imagine 
how Emmett and Nomi are going to confront or even, you know, forgive Tobias for some of the treatment he's already given to them. He's a tough guy. He's a tough guy. We'll have to see. So yep. at the end of the book, I understand there's a reader's guide. What hmm. does that contain? And what, what good use would it be to the story jumpers to get a hold of that reader's guide? Yeah, so the reader's guide is about six or seven pages. The whole book is about 120 pages, but the reader's guide is about six or seven of those. And basically, uh, when Andy Nacelli came and said, hey, I've got a kid's version of the big book I wrote for the other publisher, uh, here's the, uh, the short summary for kids. That is what we've turned into the reader's guide. So mm-hmm. if you don't want to mess with all the fun adventure story and the fiction and the exciting uh, story about Emmett and Nomi and the Tolfinlet, then you just like, just tell me what the Bible says. Well, then the reader's guide is for you. Or if you want to go and just read it later, uh, then you can say, oh, I see. When they were in Egypt, this is the lesson we were supposed to have learned. And so it's a way of reinforcing the teaching that's in the story. Very cool. That's good. That's a good reference point to be able to walk away with a little stronger. If you missed some of the concepts or you didn't know where to find it in the Bible to back it up, that's that's a really good tool to have at hand. Now, you already hinted at this, that the Serpent Slayer and Scroll of Riddles is a series. Hmm. But can you tell us a little bit about what we might get in the future? Just a teaser, something. I got to know if there's more. So the more is I have five other books planned and none of them yet are written. We have to wait and see how that's going to turn out. So that's one mystery. And another mystery <laughs> is what happens with Emmett and Nomi yeah. and the Tolfinlet? What kind of adventures are they going to have next? And that is where we'll have to wait and see what happens. Cool. Well, five planned. That sounds pretty good. If you can get to work, then I'd love to invite you back for another episode of Story Jumpers. (laughs) That'd be worth it. All right, Champ, thanks so much. And please thank your friend Andrew for all the work that he did to help build out this story as well. Again, this looks like one that is going to take place on our bookshelf as a book that we really like in our family. So thank you for putting it together. Andrew, thank you so much. It's been great being with you today. And we'll keep you posted about uh, next installments in the story series. Very good. Thanks, Champ. We'll see you soon. Hey, take care. Parents, The Serpent Slayer and the Scroll of Riddles is a time travel adventure with a twist. Readers aged 9 to 13 will discover theological themes as they travel through God's Word. By placing the characters into biblical events, authors Champ Thornton and Andrew David Nacelli show the Bible is far from being a boring book full of instructions. Readers will discover life-changing truths they'll never forget. Champ Thornton and his wife Robin live in Newark, Delaware. They've been married since 1996 and enjoy being parents to three energetic teenage children. He's the acquisitions editor at Crossway and is the author of numbers of books for kids and families. You can learn more about Champ at champthornton.com.